Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Why were predictions about the war in Ukraine so wrong? This is the State of Ukraine from NPR News. I'm Greg Dixon. I was in Ukraine in the weeks before the war, and when I came back to the U.S., I told friends and colleagues there was no way Russia would invade. Ukrainians were calm, I said. The U.S. government was being alarmist. So add me to the long list of people whose predictions about what would happen in this conflict were wrong. Once Russia did invade, some said Kyiv would fall within days, that European unity against Russia could splinter, and later, when Russia slashed gas supplies to Europe, many feared public support for Ukraine would disintegrate. None of those things happened. As we look back at a year of war in Ukraine, NPR's Frank Langfitt examines why the predictions were so wrong. As tanks rolled towards Kyiv on February 24th, many thought Russia was headed for a swift victory. So the Russian military is really an overmatch for the Ukrainians. Ukraine's military is badly outgunned. and there's... It's likely that the Russians will take control of Kiev, but not without a fight. The Ukrainian leadership was also deeply worried. Back then, Alexei Arstovich was an advisor to the office of the Ukrainian president. He was holed up in Kiev with Volodymyr Zelensky. It was a huge number of Russian forces. It's about maybe 20 or 25 times more Russians than our defenders. We completely understand it's impossible to defend Kyiv. After Zelensky refused to evacuate, Arostovich says they handed out machine guns. And I think first five days, we will die. All in this, in this building, we will die. The Russians never made it past the suburbs. The weaknesses of the Russian military are now well documented. Endemic corruption, terrible logistics, rigid command and control... But Jack Watling of the Royal United Services Institute, a London think tank, says the Russians could have succeeded. I think their plan was viable, as in it could have worked for them to isolate Kiev. Watling says Russia made at least one fatal mistake. It only told its units north of Kiev they were invading Ukraine at the last moment. They thought they were on training exercises in Belarus. Russia wanted to maintain the element of surprise. It worked. But it also left officers and soldiers unprepared, psychologically and otherwise. Commanders scrambled to study old maps they brought, including those which dated to the mid-1980s. Platoon commanders were basically told, drive down that road until you get to X. Well, they didn't know where X was, especially since the Ukrainians are pulling down the street signs. And so we saw instances of Russian troops getting into the center of a town, not knowing where they were, getting out, trying to chat with the locals to work that out, not having their weapons loaded, and then being hit with artillery. Watling says the military's lack of faith in its own troops proved decisive. When you don't trust your people, then friction essentially becomes the enemy. The ability of your own system to coordinate itself becomes catastrophically fouled up. And that's fundamentally what led the Russians to fail. If the Russians lacked faith in their own forces, they were banking the Europeans and the Americans would fragment or fold. After all, in 2014, when Russia illegally annexed Crimea, a strategic peninsula nearly the size of Massachusetts, the U.S. and the EU responded with sanctions. And last year, American troops pulled out of Afghanistan amid harrowing scenes, 
which revealed deep divisions between the U.S. and its NATO allies. It was very chaotic at the airport. You know, there were these videos circulating on social media that showed Afghans running alongside a C-17, clinging to it. An image that Russian President Vladimir Putin could only have found encouraging. The European Union has 27 members with often different agendas. Reaching consensus can be notoriously difficult. But Putin's long buildup of troops on Ukraine's border gave the U.S. time to call him out and rally support. When it came, the audacity and the brutality of the Russian invasion horrified people across Europe and united their leaders. NATO allies poured weapons into Ukraine at a staggering rate. Bruno Latte is a senior fellow at the German Marshall Fund in Brussels. I think for Europe it meant the end of an era of complacency. The end of economic complacency, military complacency. And it came very sudden, like a slap in the face. Christy Rake is deputy director of the International Center for Defense and Security, a leading think tank in Estonia. She says the invasion also exposed a certain naivete. It has forced Europeans to recognize that having too much of idealism and pacifism can actually be dangerous if it leads to closing one's eyes to the threat of war. After setbacks on the battlefield, Vladimir Putin tried to divide NATO allies by weaponizing energy. European nations relied on Russia for about 40% of their natural gas. Putin cut the vast majority of that flow. European nations responded by cutting energy consumption by 15% and found new energy sources. Liana Fix is a fellow for Europe at the Council on Foreign Relations in Washington. Many doomsayers were afraid that the European Union will not be able to get off Russian gas as quickly. And it was also something that Russia did not expect. So Russia's energy weapon has really lost its edge. Fix also says the scale of the invasion, the biggest since World War II, focused minds. If there's been existential crisis to the European Union and the European countries, those are the moments when Europeans stick together and finally are able to agree on solutions. The war and Russia's policies have taken an economic toll. In December, inflation, largely driven by high energy prices, was still over 10% in the United Kingdom. But Isabel Hoffman, founder of EU Opinions at Germany's Bertelsmann Siftung Foundation, says a strong majority of Europeans still support arming Ukraine. A mild winter helped. The energy crisis is not as bad as people might have imagined it to be. You know, nobody is freezing in their homes. David Quarry, Britain's ambassador to NATO, says Ukraine's gains on the ground and Russia's continued attacks on civilians and energy infrastructure have also shored up public support. First of all, people have seen the Ukrainians succeeding and paying an enormous price to defend their country, to defend their freedoms. And secondly, people see the absolutely horrific cost that Russia is imposing on Ukraine at the moment. Considering all the concerns at the beginning of the war, Isabel Hoffman says Europe has acquitted itself pretty well. There is a lot of talk around how democracies are weak, liberal societies are weak and easily to manipulate, etc., etc. But I think there is equally evidence there to show that they're quite resilient. Over the past year, that may have been one of President Putin's biggest miscalculations. Frank Langford, NPR News, Brussels. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Our podcast is edited by Nishant Dahia with management support from Didi Skanky and Beth Donovan. Please come back to this feed for more on the war and its impacts around the world.
This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXLlearning.com. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.